and Fortnite. Was that like actually came from Minecraft? I, I did not know that. I would be shocked if it didn't. Like, there's no okay. official, you know, credence as far as I know. Like, I, I haven't seen right. any interviews that say, like, obviously we were ripping off Minecraft. But the format is so much the same. And the, a battle royale had sort of evolved out of the, the original Hunger Games Minecraft servers. And the, Interesting. Yeah, it very much just, like, snowballed from there. Um, it, it was a weird thing for me to observe because I was like never involved in the community. I was just always vaguely aware of it again because my cousins hung out with me that one time. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I'm I am very confident that you can draw an exact through line from PUBG through Minecraft to you know Hunger Games and Battle Royale. Huh. <laughs> I, I I thought it was interesting because um I know I played Warcraft three back in the day and is it what like Dota yep um that was like a custom game on those servers that like you know obviously has become a giant uh, e gaming or esports kind of of game and it was like yeah, it was like the first born Europa, yeah born out of the Warcraft three creator which is interesting because Warcraft three they just re released it like again like an upgraded version that was garbage. Like in the uh, user license, it said like they own any of the custom games that like you upload well, using their they're assets. Not, they're not yeah. going to lose yeah. money on Dota. Again. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. But it's months. like who's going to do that? Yeah, who's going to do that now? Like Warcraft three on like a you know a what twenty year old game now? Uh, yeah. I, I I think if they're creating custom games, there's other places to do it now. Oh, I just thought sure. it was funny. And at this point, you know, the actual programming tools are so user-friendly. Like, you can you can build yeah. a game with Unity really easily. Mm. You can, you know, license the, the Unreal Engine for virtually nothing um, right. compared to, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So all those people who were devoting a lot of their time to, you know, the, the custom map makers or, or design tools offered by, like, Warcraft 3 or by Minecraft, now they're turning attention to, you know, actually making games and then making money off of them. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Um, like the, the fan communities are still out there, for sure. Like, you can find Minecraft... Uh, Hunger Games servers to this day all over the place, um, but you know, like it, it's the the market is changing there, and it's fascinating. Like I'm, I love user made content. I, I'm fascinated by the the sort of ways that it has developed over the over the past couple of decades. Um, so you know, this was just a great excuse for me to like talk about battle royale and rope it into everything else that's going on. Yeah, I had I had no idea that Minecraft had that kind of influence. Oh, it was um, so huge. And, you know, like, it, it struck me at the time as being huger than I would have expected. And then when I found out that there were all these servers that were, like, serving as this, you know, quasi-social, quasi-competitive, you know, it, it was not at all my experience with Minecraft. But at the same time, there was such a draw there. Um, yeah. Like, that was so much a part of its success, I think. Like, as much as, you know, Notch and the tool set are, are clearly a huge part of its success, what the what the users then did, what the, the community that grew up around it, like, that was really what did it. Yeah. I, until recently, I had no idea that people even, like, speed ran Minecraft, yep. which uh, I didn't realize that there was, like, a way to beat it, but apparently there is. So, anyway. <laughs> yep. Wild stuff. Yeah, and I I can't play those games because they make me feel like queasy. Oh, okay. um, like the the voxel just like style is that the view? Yeah, for some reason, um, and I for similar reasons I, I don't like to watch them particularly either. Um, but obviously they have captured you know just really caught on, uh, and Fortnite is all that kids would play. Uh, in school on their phones all the time. Um, yeah, but, it, is, uh, it is still huge. Um, the other one that really spun off from Minecraft, all those survival games that everybody was playing, like, you know, Rust and now Valheim just came out, and, like, they're, they're all a huge success, and they owe a lot of their lineage on the one hand to Minecraft, and on the other hand to DayZ. Like, that's the other sort of element in the formula that I wasn't talking about, even though it probably should have been mentioned. But yeah, like Minecraft 
its versatility inspired a lot of game designers to sort of perfect what the what the users sort of played with. So Minecraft survival mode very much grew into all this like huge rush of indie games capitalizing on that formula um, with varied success. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we'll 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 pencil that in for next week. Uh, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> yep, I don't know. <laughs> that was a, that was quite the tangent we went on there. Uh, Good segue. Sky Wars and Bed Wars. Corey says. Any? I I don't know Sky Wars and Bed Wars, but I take it that's another example here. I suspect it's a survival entry. I I'm not sure myself, and. I've, Shut down all my things, so I can't search for it real fast because I'm trying to. Oh, okay. Minecraft okay. thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. All right, all right. But so we got a, a fair bit to talk about here on the near side of things too. Um, I was rewatching like I do, uh, to try to refresh. And in Steve's playthrough, we we did a few side quests along with the the main stuff this time um i'm not sure exactly where we should pick up with it um well where did we leave I, off last week yeah i think we left off right as we were you know sort of doing our, our messenger jobs between the resistance camp and pascal um with the understanding that we would probably talk a little bit about the side quest so so i did a couple of them like i i I've talked to all of John Paul's groupies, um, and I met what's his face, Master, the the, the like karate servo? master, yes, Master Servo, yeah, uh, Father like, Servo, Father Servo, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I also saved the little sister who turned out to not be so little and got both the pink bow and the blue bow. Um, but we think, did not do that one. Yeah, that, that was, I think, as far as I did. Like, I was already in the desert picking up John Paul's pals. So I was like, ah, oh, we'll, we'll stop that and, you know, help little sister. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think we uh, went back to the factory to pick up first our, our weapon in our original body that okay. was still there. Um, and then we f went back to the very beginning of the game and we found another... Um, Yorha unit there that was missing. Um, and Wes, uh, what, we discovered what? That she was trying to defect? Yeah. Is no, that correct? It, yeah, there was like um, some data that uh, read sort of like a diary, but almost like minute by minute. And it said something to the effect that, yes, yeah, she had this plan to escape. And um, so she let herself kind of get shot down, but it was she wasn't able to like heal herself properly um so the plan was was going sideways on her and and this was prompted by someone up in the bunker okay. um yes one of her uh, mentees basically yes. who like was trained by her wanted to know um you know maybe if we could recover her body or something like that and yeah so and then that, that fit into um this other quest too right with the um the missing chips um, yes, the yeah, resistance they, they member, kind of right? Yeah, yeah, and I, it seems to me that these side quests are not completely tangential, yeah. but they actually seem to, um, well, kind of lace together to tell more of the story. Yeah, one of um, the one of the ones I did. I don't know if you followed up with it, but I, I was talking to Jackass, and she wanted me to perform some scientific experiments. Um, oh yeah, she had. We me, have not done that one yet. Yeah, she had me beat up a bunch of machines, uh, and she was like tracking my brain chemistry or something. Apparently, uh, Yorha units are biologically or cybernetically or whatever programmed to feel pleasure in combat. Um, <laughs> like they experience something comparable to sexual pleasure when they're blowing up machines which sure. Jackass mentioned was a very convenient uh, design element um, insofar as it, you know, keeps us, keeps us killing. Um, and then she gave, like, she apparently through our research developed some kind of drug that can simulate the effects and, you know, make us more powerful in combat. 
Um, oh. So that's, you know, helpful and unsettling. <laughs> yeah, it turns out that Jackass is like some kind of engineer, right? Because um, on commands, orders, she's there with the uh, transporter ready to go. Uh, at a certain at a certain point in in what we played today, that's a major unlock. Which I think the transporters probably make doing a lot of side quests a lot more uh, palatable. Yeah, way right, easier to get from place around. to place. Much as I do enjoy running over the landscape, makes it a lot easier mm -hmm. to get from place to place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Corey says it was so awesome watching the last near. Um, so yeah, we. As, as androids enjoy destroying things, and as humans, we enjoy watching or helping androids destroy things. Yep. Um, I mean, that's cool. that's the allure, right? Like, you get the power fantasy from blowing up all those machines. And, yeah, there's the... Again, there's sort of, like, the two aspects to it of you're getting a break from the main quest, and so that's nice. It's, like, relaxing in a way. But you're also finding out more about the sort of the wider world um, and ways that seem to connect back to the main quest as well. Um, not to mention that you're like, yeah, getting sweet upgrades or uh, I don't know, just having having bought, money. Um, yep, money is yeah, right. <laughs> like weird right. items that you can equip. Uh, yeah, and then I, I guess we touched on the missing chips one so yeah we found the resistance oh, yeah. member was hiding and then we had to go get chips and one of them was like a yorha unit chip and command uh buzzes you like when you're going back and says don't give those chips like to anyone they're missing um but we give it to the resistance member anyway uh yeah. then he kind of disappears and then in the desert we go and we find him he's he's in the complex um and out pops a 9S-esque type uh, android okay. with black hair. Yeah. And uh, he's trying to, uh, the resistance member was trying to create a family. Okay. Um, right. It was very sinister. It was very creepy. Uh, <laughs> very unsettling. Is, is it mainly because of the, the, the like dynamic between the two of them? Like that they're like hiding out there together sort of? Uh, I think it's because I don't know how much control the, the, the nine S, you know, clone has, I guess. I don't know. It was kind oh, of yeah. like a, like a John Wayne Gacy type. Like, I don't, I don't, it was just sure. very weird that he was basically like kidnapping this, this adolescent looking Android. Um, yeah. and the Android just says like, pu -pu 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 please. And it, I, I didn't know if that was like a, please save me or like a, please let us be. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But that, that one is very creepy um, in my eyes. Yeah, it was much nicer hanging around with little sister. Um, like, she just asks all sorts of adorable questions, and, and 9S keeps trying to answer them. So she's like, you know, why did they make a desert? And 9S is like, well, nobody makes a desert. You know, it's it's a pro product of natural processes, you know, biology and the plants drying up, and then the soil loses its nutritional value and it like, becomes sandy. And then she asked, so where does the wind come from? And 9S is like, okay, so it has to do with temperature variations, like when it gets colder. And then he stops and he's like, wait, that's actually a really good question. And asks 2B if she wants to weigh in, and of course 2B will have none of it. Um, and then finally, of course, we get the million-dollar question, where do children come from? <laughs> At which point 9S is just totally nonplussed and has no idea how to answer that question and you know says well androids and machines they, they can't make children and she's like mm. but yeah in general where do children come from like when how do humans make children and he's like nope not not even a little bit um and then we finally, you know, she we get her across the desert and she can find her own way home and we, we can track her down to the village where both little and big sister are very happy to see each other and very grateful for reuniting them. And we even get a little happy song that plays that's very calm and comforting. Aww. So so yeah, that, that was a that was 
much less sinister than John Wayne Gacy 9S units making a life for themselves out in some desert complex somewhere. Yeah, okay, this was something that came to mind for me too, but Corey puts it, um, don't they compare the robot DNA to plant DNA at one point? And I was remembering that too, that the, as you mentioned plants, um, I immediately thought of the, uh, the aliens, right? This is sort of the big reveal uh, during this portion of the game that the aliens are already defeated. They've been dead this whole time. Um, and the ones who killed them are their creations, the robots, the machines. Um, the ones who tell us this anyway, uh, if we can trust them, are Adam and Eve, the two who came from the desert housing complex, right? And um, it's it's Adam, I think, who's talking the whole time, yeah, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, until maybe the very last couple lines or so. But the uh, the comparison, yeah, is that uh, they were they were like easy to um, to break free from. They were more like plants, really, than uh, than the kind of beings that the machines themselves are, right? These dynamic and evolving sorts of beings. Um, yeah, yeah. So what do you guys make of that um, uh, that that reveal with the aliens? It certainly raises some serious questions about the legitimacy of this conflict. Like, the most obvious question that this sort of brings up, is, especially in the context of everything we've talked about so far, is why are we fighting the machines at this point? Yeah. Um, like, obviously, if they're still feeling hostile against the androids, you know, that they would, we don't need to have the aliens puppeteering them in order for them to be dangerous. But so many of them aren't at this point. And without some, you know, central mastermind driving them to be hostile, it seems fairly logical that you would end up with machines factionalizing, like machines in the desert, making their own tribal society, Pascal's posse of pacifists, um, all the folks hanging out in the amusement park, just there for having a good time. Like, it seems like at this point it would be pretty safe to, to just ignore any machines that aren't being openly hostile, to start treating them as independent nations instead of one unified hostile force. Uh, and yet Command doesn't seem to agree um, presumably because I guess the humans still want to take over the world, like they still want to go back, I guess. Well, I think yeah. that brings up an interesting point because I, when I first played the game, you know, I think after you beat the, the prologue, they kind of have that um, propaganda kind of posters, like, you know, 15 or five, the year's 5,000, you know, the aliens right. land on earth and blah, blah, blah. And then I was thinking, like, do they ever tell you what time period you're in when you're playing the game? Um, I don't feel like it's very clear. I, I think at the very beginning they flash a number at you, but it isn't clear. Like, it's not something that comes up very often. It's not something you're reminded about very often. Like, even even when you're, you find that the aliens are all dead in this section, you know, if they did land and were active and alive in 5,000... I think one of the commanders or somebody mentions that for centuries, it's it's been mm -hmm. centuries since anyone has seen them. Um, and then yeah. there they were, hiding underground the whole time. Except they weren't hiding underground, they were dead underground for mm -hmm. apparently centuries. So at this point, it's really hard to pin down what time it is. It could be, you know, 5,500 and the aliens have just been dormant for like the last two or 300 years. It could be 7,500 and the aliens have been dormant for the last, you know, millennia or two. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't seem clear. The conflict doesn't seem to have, like, an expiration date on it at this point. There, there's no end point. There's no goal, it seems, besides mutual annihilation. And that doesn't even seem terribly possible at this point. Right. And... The, well, the two, the two of them, or if they're one being, I'm not sure, but Adam anyway has a goal, right? He wants to study the humans, yes, right, and he and he and he wants to enlist 
to be in 9s to go and um, and bring the humans back, right? Uh, so they can get a closer look at these fascinating creatures who destroy one another and love one another uh, in more or less equal measure. Um, and you know, thinking about the plants, the robots, um, this idea of a kind of like evolving life form that that the machines are. Um, it seems that the machine's goal is simply to continue evolving, right? And I don't know that there's like a endpoint on that. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's it's just for the sake of it, uh, for the sake of, of indefinite um, striving or something like that. And, th and there's also just you know a sense that that's not a bad goal to have. Like that's. That's our goal as a species to just, you know. It does sound kind of familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We want to grow and change and reach our full potential and, you know, do what we want autonomously. That isn't a bad thing. And that kind of casts your eyes, the major aggressors here. Like, if we just yeah. left the machines alone, then maybe they'd be fine. But of course, again, it's the humans telling us know that they are the invaders they have taken over our homeland you have to destroy them so we can come back from the moon assuming that's all on the up and up because it turns out that you know the other obvious puppeteering force is all annihilated at this point yeah yeah and the command um as we're seeing is is not entirely trustworthy just based on some of these side quests that we're getting as well, um, that there's stuff going on, um, you know, androids defecting or trying to escape, right, from their control, uh, and some information that they don't want to get out. Um, you know, that we there, are biologically some... programmed to fight and like inexorably with no end. Yeah, yeah, and. And for their part, the robots, right, are, um, I don't know, they're, they're awfully human, right? They're uh, seemingly evolving all the time. Even um, the way that the giant, you know, Goliath that we fight there, um, it seems to do a kind of self-destruct move, almost as if it had learned it from the last time that we fought them out in, in the factory, uh, the opening of the game. Um, that seems suspiciously similar. It's it's like, yeah, a nice parallel. Um, only this time it sort of opens up the the way forward for us. So I'm not I'm not clear on what that that Goliath's goal was exactly there. Um, whether it was trying to take us out or whether it was trying to, you know, permit us to to proceed and find out what's going on. Um, and the one yeah, thing so. they say when it's happening, like when, when the Goliath is getting ready to explode, um, command sort of radios in and, and says that it's resonating with something underground. Mm -hmm. um, but apparently like the Goliath is interacting with the alien spacecraft or whatever, you know, whatever facility it is that we find when we go spelunking. Um, it seems yeah. like there's a connection there. But at the same time, you can't very well consider that the aliens ordered it to, because, again, the aliens are dead. On the other hand, it seems like Adam and Eve might very well be in command of the situation at this point. Maybe Indeed. they're calling the shots. Um, because they are, as we know from seeing them be born, they are machines. They self-identify as machines, as little as they look like them. But they seem way more self-aware way more sophisticated than the machines we typically run into, with the, maybe the exception of Pascal. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the next mission that we get, right, is to, like, collect data on this Pascal uh, character. They, they, they seem suspicious. You always have to be suspicious of the pacifists. You never know, you know, what, what they're up to and what they're planning. Yeah, those darn pacifists, you never know when they're just going to mm -hmm. snap and not hurt anyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so other stuff that's going on, right, uh, you're, um, you're busy running errands, right, back and forth between 
the Android resistance and the machines in their little village. Um, you're made into this kind of like, I don't know, a messenger for them, right? And again, this this seems to be a way for the game to just make you really want to have a way to just transport yourself. And I feel like there's even some dialogue to that effect, like, oh, this is tedious. We have to like walk out of this whole place again. Um, and then sure enough, the very next thing is, oh, now you can, you know, teleport around uh, and, and get to your, your new body, right? Uh, up, up in the bunker or wherever you want to go. Um, so that, I don't know. It, it just seems to always come back to this uh, focus on the, the body, um, the idea of like moving physically versus moving stuff versus moving information. This game seems really, really interested in really guiding the player uh, to be thinking along these lines. Um, and I don't know, I don't know, the kinds of questions it's asking it seems so big that I don't know if they can possibly like deliver on them uh, or if we're just going to be left, you know, wondering, scratching our heads. Well, uh, again, like... You know, we were, we were kicking around the idea of the, the ghost in the machine and, and whether or not, you know, there is, in fact, a ghost in these machines that if there is a mind governing this consciousness. Like, that's one of those questions that have been hanging over our head for a while. And on the Android side, now we're seeing it from the other end. Like, you know, as, as much as we may be looking at the machines and asking ourselves, is that a consciousness? Is that pain that they're feeling? Is that fear? Is that joy? Is that love? Um, now we're sort of seeing the other side of it. Like, is to be the same person when you just take the consciousness and deliver it to another body in another part of the world or in, on the bunker or wherever? Um, you know, mind is kind of the, the big question here. Like, what is it? Um, how can you identify it? How can you you know, recognize when it is the same thing as it was before, like we saw with, you know, the, the ship of Theseus problem we were dealing with, or with the fact that, like, 9S doesn't come back from the first fight, but 2B apparently does. Um, have these characters shifted in a real, meaningful way, or are they, as we're told, the same people we've been seeing this whole time? Um, there are more questions than answers, I think. I'd like, I suspect that we're biting off way more than any one video game experience can chew. Um, yeah. But I also think an answer isn't necessarily what we're aspiring for. Um, again, like if Pascal is sort of the moral center of the universe as we've kind of run into it at this point, like if if if. She, he slash she is as trustworthy a character as we've encountered. And, you know, again, if Pascal's wager is what that reference is actually to, I guess we're not supposed to ask that question. We're supposed to trust. Like, we're supposed to say to ourselves, well, it makes way more sense for us to just accept this as, you know, the same person, or accept this as a functional mind, accept, you know, personhood, as what is happening when given no reason to deny it, to no reason not to believe it. Um, I suspect that's the as close to an answer as we're going to get here. Like, when in doubt, treat it like a person. Right, right. yeah, and I, I think the, the thing that um, Adam and Eve then bring to that, right, with their very overtly <laughs> religious names uh and and their a kind of aggression aggression right their their desire for knowledge right and their desire to wise essentially right uh, in a scientific way what humans are right um they really put a point on that question of like what is personhood <laughs> in in a way like if we think we know what it means to treat someone like a person, they are there to just remind us that maybe we're not so sure, right? Like maybe that's actually also a really hard question. Um, well, also, Cause for them to treat something like a person is to, you know, 
go after it, figure yeah. it out, like destroy it, into see it. how it works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. and, and of course, you know, the other side to this, as much as it's, it's really easy to see the connection between, you know, Adam and Eve and their birth, like they are the first truly sentient self-conscious machines. We also have to see them from the perspective of the fall is the knowledge yeah. they're seeking forbidden. Um, are they looking for something that they shouldn't be looking for? Are we in fact preventing a catastrophe by fighting against them? Um, yeah. And then this time, you know, the first time we encountered Adam in, in the desert, we theoretically didn't have to fight him. We could just stand there and stare at him forever. But at least in my game, they charged me on this one. Yeah. Um, and I suspect <laughs> that might be because of 9S, but either way, just the, the gloves are off now. The opportunity. Well, and they're changed. also like, they're also like impossible to beat, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No matter how much I was like fighting, it, it's uh, it's doing minimal damage, and I was receiving quite a bit. Yeah, so the battle lasts just as long as they need to, you know, deliver their villainous monologue, and then we proceed into the cutscene, and that's that's all it is. Um, Which of course made me miss the 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 monologue because I'm trying to like focus on not <laughs> not dying. <laughs> It's it's but constantly I, I sort guess, of pushing you to I guess defeat the things I that to attack learn. you like as quickly as possible, and the things that don't attack you, well, those those ones are okay, right? But yeah. this this is sort of messing with that, and you're you're on the defensive, right? It right. Almost puts you in the place of that machine that keeps running away out there in the desert, or um, I think we see a similar yeah. one in the, in the forest next time, right? So. Yeah, well, yeah. They, well, obviously they've evolved to a point. You know, we kind of dispatched them pretty quickly, uh, not too long ago, um, yeah. and now we can barely inflict any damage on them. So their speed of evolution is uh, admirable, mm -hmm. much faster than ours. Oh yeah. And yeah, Corey has this quote here: "Resistance is not futile; it's proof you are alive." So kind of like experiential proof I, I take it right like if you're fighting back even if you can't hurt them right that's that's somehow like um representing your your spirit your your resistance here um and they do kind of just very villainously yeah just like sort of evanesce so they just go away at the at the end of that fight yep. um it's not clear why they need you at all if they're that powerful and this sort of circles back to our, our question again, like, what is the point of this conflict? Um, but apparently they're yeah, maybe testing you, you know, in the same way Jackass is. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, well, they, they apparently teleport without a transporter, so good yeah. for them. <laughs> I hesitate to, to do too much importation because I'm at the risk of it, but I've spent all week uh, doing my lectures on Faust Part 1 um, mm. a very dangerous business at the, the best of times. But, you know, <laughs> a lot of what makes Faust who he is, what sort of makes him the protagonist, and that sort of most admirable characteristic among the romantics is suffering, um, striving, mm. like resisting, as, as you put it. Um, and not necessarily for a reason. Like, the cause is secondary for the romantics. Like, what you are fighting for is less important than the fact that you are fighting. Um, yeah. Which, you know, is kind of tricky to parse under the circumstances. Like, Adam and Eve are kind of the villains here. Should we trust the philosophy that they have to say? Especially when we are locked in the middle of this seemingly pointless conflict. Like... To some degree, this is kind of the perfect romantic setup. You know, here are the machines, and they're all fighting the, the androids, and the androids are fighting the machines, and, you know, who cares what the battle was originally about once upon a time? Like, the aliens are dead, maybe the humans are, are dead too, who cares? Because it's the fighting that matters. Like, that seems very much against what the game is telling us. Uh, like, no, there's too too much dying, too much suffering, too much actual like pain, not you know, pain of the sublime, but rather like no real pain, like people dying, people losing what little stability, what little happiness they have. Um, you know, the machines are striving for a better world. At least the androids, you 
it's kind of hard to say that the same for them, besides the ones who are defecting, who are resisting, who are, you know, trying to escape the bunker and the commander and, you know, make a new lives, make new lives for themselves one way or the other. Interesting. Yeah. The, the pool that Corey has this time is Romeo and Juliet. So I'm taking this to mean like the possibility of a Android machine romance essentially, or, or, you know, maybe just a truce would be, Oh, sorry. Oh, you're talking about the play. Yes. Yes, this is another side quest, right? When you're when you go back to the amusement park, there's this. Uh, you're collecting stamps uh, all throughout the park and, and exploring all its uh, back alleys and whatnot. And if you go back to the auditorium, the play that's performed is a rendition, an excellent rendition of Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, thanks for reminding me all about that. Um, yeah, so you've got <laughs> like they they use mock Shakespearean language to like um, Romeo after Romeo appears and challenges Juliet after Juliet uh, to a duel and uh, yeah, throwing each other. <laughs> so, yeah, there's just one left standing. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> Truly captures the uh, essence of Shakespeare's Shakespeare's play. Uh, yeah. And yet it is rather fitting in the context of the game, too. Like, you know, we are lovers, let us love each other, now let's all kill each other last. Like, I kind of wonder if that's... I don't know, this is probably absurd, but maybe a weird roundabout reference to Final Fantasy VI, too, mm -hmm. right, with the famous opera, which is a kind of Romeo and Juliet story. Um, but of course, you end up fighting a giant octopus on stage. Right? <laughs> like so, so yeah, there's like this mixture, this mashup of like highfalutin premise or, you know, allusion to stuff. And then like the actual game. Well, yeah, I mean, basically, you're just fighting stuff. Um, and, and that's fine, I guess. I, yeah, yeah. I don't know. And the machines in the audience love the play. Yeah, oh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> Machines want to uh, tell everyone how great it is. I mean, you got romance, you got violence. What more do you want? And Ben, do you think? I mean, is it possible that this game is is asking us to question our sort of status quo acceptance, by and large, of the romantic like worldview that um, that that does seem to be sort of the dominant one, predominant over maybe an older like uh, classical morality sort of um, sort of outlook. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if if the game is really targeting romanticism specifically enough. Like, it's kind of hard to pick that out as the one thing. Um, if, if anything, I suspect you know it's it's a little bit more fuzzy than that. Like, romanticism, as much as it is sort of a distinct thing in the the early half of the nineteenth century. It's it's sort of bled in with a lot of other stuff since there. Like it, it's hard to separate the romanticism from like contemporary nationalism or contemporary. Um, I don't even know like contemporary liberalism as a whole. Um, there's a lot of like big artistic movements of that sort. They they they're porous. They're amorphous. They you know are one thing at one moment and then they sort of like fracture or you know, embody other values. Um, so I don't know, it could possibly be, but it would also be hard to sort of point to that specifically in the context yeah. of the game. Like it, it's hard to say, you know, well, the realists were right, not the romantics in the context of this game, because realism really isn't on the table, I suspect, um, though the values might, might be present there. Um, certainly like the game seems to, tend towards something resembling like social realism uh, in the sort of 20th century sense. But I don't know, like there, I think it's definitely opposed to the romanticization of say violence or the romanticization of, you know, like suffering in the sense that, you know, it ennobles suffering where this game takes pretty great pains to make it, to make suffering just suffering, not 
something tragic or something high or something noble. Um, like the characters are legitimately upset when they each die. Um, they are legitimately like frustrated in their efforts. You know, even the machines, when you start killing them off in that desert, like that little area in the desert, they get upset. They, they don't want you to do that. Um, as, and as much as the romantics did kind of get at that, like, I think of like, you know, Goya's Massacre on the 3rd of May or whatever, where, you know, they're depicting the violence in a mm. very sort of dramatic and very um, poignant, like, not idealized way. Um, at the same time, the romantics were pretty quick to say, you know, I, Verter, with all of my pining for my beloved, have now kill myself because it is the only reasonable, you know, response to the great well of passion that I feel. I, I feel like the game is not interested in that so much. Um, like, the, the characters who suffer in this game suffer really, like, legitimately, and there's very little noble about it. Um, at least, again, as I understand it, like, obviously there's more to see. Um, but, again, it's kind of hard to pluck it out as a separate entity from all the other things the game has on its mind. Well, as you're saying that, it occurred to me that maybe we can, in the same way that we're seeing these different philosophers kind of um, you know, put in into the game, uh, in a way, I wonder if... Um, 2B and 9S represent sort of the, on the one hand, like the old kind of loyalty, right? Uh, 2B seems very much by the book and, and, and has a morality of a kind, uh, you know. And then 9S, again, he seems like a bit more of a, I don't know, a realist. Um, he seems concerned with doing what they can to survive, right? And not worrying too much about the morality of it. Um, and I guess to be, I think you've called her a pragmatist, which seems right to me also, though, um, you know, very, very much uh, uh, Spartan about everything. Yeah, just the um, facts. But then, yeah, now now we're introduced to these, oh, sorry? Just the, the facts. These, yeah. Uh, yeah, just the facts, yeah. And, but now we're introduced to these, these sort of supervillains, uh, in, in Adam and Eve, who, who very much have a kind of yeah, Promethean, you know, romantic quality to them. Um, capital R romantic, right? They're going after this this big thing. Um, so I, I feel like we're we're set up to see a kind of um, uh, a, a battle between these these differing viewpoints. Uh, through, the romantic machines through, through and this. The so I, still. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, also, yeah, that's a cool, I feel like a cool way to, to elaborate the first to see, you know, what happens when they are not exactly walking into a bar and talking to each other, but, you know, sort of like that. Um, uh, which, yeah, I guess, what what does happen with the John Paul? By the way, he said he did that quest. I think we did too. Yeah. Um, so obviously, John Paul has his groupies located all over the the world. It seems, um, and you meet the first one in Pascal's village, and you deliver a letter from her to John Paul. Um, you go out to the desert, and the machine lady there has a fossil, like a machine oh, yeah. fossil. So you know not the imprint of like human detritus or animal detritus or anything like that, but like, I don't know, like an imprinted gear or something. <laughs> like it sounds strange to say machine fossil, but then it's also kind of strange that when you go fishing, you can find machine fish. So really who knows what's going on at this point. Um, apparently the machines have co-opted evolution as well as everything else that's going on. Um, and then you go to the amusement park and you find someone there who, I forget what it is she has for him. Um, I want to say something glass. Yeah. Some kind of like glass trinket or something. 
And in every case, you bring them back to Jean-Paul, and Jean-Paul dismisses them out of hand. Like, it's all worthless. It's right. all garbage. Um, and he, you know, <laughs> spouts some more existential axioms. And when you ask, you know, are you going to write back to these people? He's like, no, no, not all questions deserve a response. Um, and you very much get the sense, you know, like I think 9S even comments at one point that, man, this, why did they like this Jean-Paul character? Like, who that, he seems way overblown. Like, all these people getting overexcited about him. And it was really hard for me not to read that as, like, Yoko Taro being like, stupid Jean-Paul Sartre, I hate that guy. Like, he's <laughs> resenting him somehow. Um, which, you know... I think there's I think there's more to it than that for sure, but it is it is kind of amusing to see him like taking pot shots at what is very obviously a, a stand-in for a famous philosopher. Um, but it's also kind of striking because it it fits Sartre that Sartre would not care in the slightest about what his fans have to say about him. Like, you know, he, he, he is doing what is good for him to do according to his lights. Um, his, he must express his freedom. He must follow his values. And, you know, the adoration or condemnation of his peers will mean nothing to him. Um, but it does not play as admirable in this game. Yeah. Did you notice when uh, 9S says Jean-Paul's name that they, like, leaped yeah, it out? Yeah, they leap it out. They censor it. it it's like the, he says a swear word or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, I was reading about that because I'm like, well, what was that? Like, why did they do that? Apparently, uh, Jean-Paul's estate or, you know, they're very lit. I don't know if he's dead, but uh, they're very litigious. So they didn't want him to actually say the name, I, I think. That's, that's the theory about that one. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, oh, man. Yeah, anyway, I just thought it was weird. <laughs> is it because you can hear the French accent, but writing it, you, you can't? Like, why are they allowed to write it then? I feel like that's more of a, like, clear call out. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> like, like... Unambiguous. Libel, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a libel versus slander. It's it's, it's worse to write it yeah. down than to say things. You would think. Yeah. Um, Maybe they can get away with it because it's a common enough name. I have no idea. At any rate, I think it's hilarious that ultimately they bleep out his name as though it were a curse word. Yeah. <laughs> I think right, it just right. drives home even harder the, the sort of animosity that the the either like the game designer or just 9S or whatever has for, you know, the immortal Jean-Paul Sartre. Um. <laughs> huh. uh, so... Any other any other new philosophy bits and pieces that that seem to come to light this time around? I mean, the Adam and Eve reference is huge. I, I think we can't, you know, uh, really tackle that one just yet, probably. But just maybe note it for now. And yeah, the head, the head is the yeah. We we will we will see that next time. I think, Corey, the head that comes from the game designer's yes. wardrobe. Um, uh, but yeah, well, the, uh, for next time, is it the forest? Or should we just take a break and do more side quests? Um, I, th um, I think we'll go on to the forest. I think that's now. Or is it? Is it like another thing before that? I'm trying to remember. This is where I get fuzzy on this game. At the very least, we'll definitely meet the Yoko Taro like shopkeeper stand in, do some more side quests. Yeah, what? See where the plot takes us. What did we do? Was it? I think it is. A, we go immediately to the forest. Uh, like as soon as we talk to Pascal after you know dispatching of Adam and Eve. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. I think that's right. I couldn't remember if it was that or if they like have to fight the giant sea monster thing first. No, no, that's uh, is that later? Two away. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the forest. But yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, the forest is and yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It's cool. Yeah, and we we will meet another very important villain, maybe uh, or mm -hmm. something out there. 
Um, Corey, Corey has lots of questions about <laughs> things that happen in the forest. So Corey will come back to those. We, we can't address them today. It's too late. <laughs> uh, but next week we will. Yes. It's so exciting. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh, man. Uh, hey, yeah, ben, have guys, you tried the, are... the racing uh, side oh, quest? I have not yet. Um, I remember doing it the first time. Oh, okay. The first time I played through, and some of them were nasty hard, I recall. And also the, the, rope, the uh, machine who governs it, I remember him being hilarious. Um, yeah, I, as it was, I had to beat my yeah. against the jackass mission for a while because, you know, she very much raises the stakes. Like the first fight, it's like, just kill these things. It's like, okay. And the second fight is like, kill these things in yeah. 30 seconds. It's like, mm, okay. And it's like, kill these things without getting hit once. And it's like, oh, oh, right then. And then it's like, kill these things in 30 seconds yeah. without getting hit once. And they have like electrical shields. That one took me a good yeah. half hour. Um, just, uh, a lot. I feel like a, a lot of the side quests that are available to us are. They're not like lot. Not it's not like we can't complete them, but they become so time consuming. Yeah, I, I, um, that like that one's difficult. There's one where I think you have to fight. It's like a level thirty six or something robot, and it just takes forever yeah. to uh, drain his life. Ship it's, it away. It's, it is. And the father servo, but oh yeah, he gets yeah. The father servo one also gets pretty hard after a while. Yeah, I, I find that when I'm doing those, I'm. I'm messing with my chips a lot like doing the jackass yeah. one where it's like you can't take a hit and also it's only 30 seconds i'm like all right well take off all the auto heals take off all the defenses take off everything except like ramp up the weapon attack and, and the speed as much as possible and i was still able to pull it off though yeah came pretty close but i think it's also neat that you know that's the way to solve it. Like you turn it into a puzzle in a, in a way like you, you, if they're very, the challenges are very specifically geared to test like one specific attribute, one specific skill. So if you max out that skill, like you do a racing challenge, and you pump all of your chips into, you know, speed increases, it gives you a much better shot and also gives you an advantage, like gives you the ability to actually theoretically win that when level wise you might not be able to right right and steve you said that when you beat the race it was by basically glitching it yeah right? yeah like i did i uh i have yeah so i i don't know so I don't know if we've talked about this yet, but you can ride the animals, mm -hmm. um, the the moose and the and the boars that are all over the place. Um, so I thought I would be clever and you know ride a moose there, and then it's like okay, uh, you know when I start the race I'll have a moose, but when I talked to the machine to restart the race I had to get off the moose first. So I like tried to talk to him and then walk back to the moose. Um, and I guess I should say you talk to the robot at like the finish line, right? before you like it transports you back to start the race again. Well, anyway, so when the race started, I was doing like a T pose on top of the moose at the, at the, uh, goal. Okay. And so like, I was there as soon as the race started. Um, nice. it was clearly, a clearly a glitch. And unfortunately right. I didn't record me doing the T pose, but I did record me just kind of like walking around the end line. Um, like thanks started. Xbox for making it super, super easy for me to uh, record my, my gameplay. Yeah. Um, but that that one is weird. I can't actually beat it, at least not in this playthrough, um, quite yet. We don't have enough speed up uh, machines, and I don't even know if I'm moving if I have the best route or yeah. if I'm moving like as fast as possible. Um, but yeah. And uh, um, any any good self destructs or other deaths or endings that you came across this time? Yes, there is one actually. Um, after. You return the viscous oil, I believe okay. it is, to Pascal. Um, you know the you get the it. There's everything shakes. Um, you you get the call. There's two Goliaths in the main town that you're supposed to run and take care of them. And uh, as you're running out of Pascal's village, if you take the route back to like you're going to the amusement park, uh, the game that that's one of the endings. And give me a second. Where's my cell phone? 
Gosh darn it. Who had it? Give me one. Really? Hi. Oh, wait. Hold Hi. on one second. <laughs> I really want to like if I had uh, an Alexa or whatever, I would I would have her named Pod or like an iPhone. I would name my iPhone Pod. I could talk to it in uh, Pod style. Tell it to finish off the songstress, you know, Pod, go now. Giant lasers at my phone. Tell it to go fishing on a regular basis. <laughs> you know, uh, I feel like it can only be a, a year or two at the most before we have pods following us around at all times. That would, I mean, I can't tell if that would be creepy or, you know, convenient or both or exactly where I would fit <laughs> on that one. Um, but yeah, having like your cell phone converted into a drone that just sort of like hovers around you at all times. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I suspect mm -hmm. we have the technology. I'm not sure if it's safe to implement at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cute and creepy. Yeah, yeah. Dude, uh, in, in doing this race, though, we also came across, like, a secret pipe that goes to a really large area, actually, mm. with tons of, like, you know, treasures and stuff, and nice. really powerful enemies back there. Yeah, uh, it's it's. Okay. Um, okay, so I have. Uh, it says if you deviate from the path, uh, you get. It says two B and nine S chose to abandon their mission, allowing the machines to wreak destruction upon the city ruins and resistance camp. And then it says the extinction. The extinction of Yorha is also surely a matter of time. And that is the T ending, and it's a, a mountain too high. Okay. So, cool. yeah. That's kind of so weird. that's, uh, yeah. Um, just, just by taking the wrong route out of town, then, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah, it, it really seems to like emphasize, yeah, that you, you are the, uh, determining factor and like what you do matters a lot and in that way it seems i don't know um very much against like uh a nihilistic approach right or like you know there's no point in doing anything anymore sort of thing right so that that at least is one of the philosophies that doesn't seem to really be on the table here uh which is probably good yeah. Yeah. Straight up low, no can, uh, I'm, I'm quite through with straight up nihilism. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Cool. Okay. So for next time, we'll do through the forest and the forest king. And uh, I don't know any any side quests. I guess that you want to do. Do you want to talk anything else? On yeah. a different evening or. Oh, that's right. Is is it possible to do both? I don't know what you're feeling. Um, I could probably pull off back-to-back -back next week. Uh, my recording schedule is a little bit lighter because I have reached the point in my planning that I'm actually you know, doing the midterm next week instead of just four lectures back-to-back-to-back-to-back. -to -back -to -back -to -back. Good, good. Yeah, we can, we can do a, a shorter... Uh, discussion in the short and then do a short one on uh, I as well if possible uh, mm -hmm. sounds good yeah I think it, it'd be good to do yeah get a little visual novel stuff in there too so I uh, look forward to that uh, yeah good luck on the midterms hope this go well yep and, uh, uh, when are yeah. we gonna have our midterm for the video game academy <laughs> Uh, I'm really eager. Uh, I was like, I was gonna push it off as long as possible. Figured the administration would just let it go. Uh, well, I mean, how far are we into the game? Right, we're not quite halfway through. I don't think. <laughs> not, uh, no. Uh, no, not content-wise, we're probably coming up on like maybe a third or a quarter. But as far as like actual playtime-wise, okay. we're not even close. Yeah. yeah. So we've yeah, got it's a. Yeah, the second. Ugh, I I went back and I played like the second portion of the game, and it's 
uh, a lot more tedious the second time. Yeah, but um, anyway, that's that's something that we'll discover later on um, during our playthrough. Yeah, and maybe after that, uh, and would be a good time for the midterm, perhaps if there's a right. Like uh, that's a perfect. Then, yeah, we have two midterms and then like a final exam. Yep, very sense. <laughs> uh, all right y'all uh, right. take care yep. see you in a week all right Bye. see ya farewell